Real Fun DC. Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Industry Night with me, Nikki Nellis. Um, my God, it's been a week. There is a real charge out there. Um, and I, for one, am really excited about it. I mean, listen, you still need to wear your mask or you should, and uh, you need to show your vaccination card if you wanna eat out or go work out or go to the movies. Um, but up and down the Eastern seaboard, I, things are opening up and are really popping and happening. And I've been fortunate enough to do some travel lately and to really be dining around the DC uh, restaurant scene. And there's so much going on and it is really, really exciting. So for the latest on all that, check out the list, are you on it.com uh, for the 411 on the latest openings, every event happening and all the restaurant promos. Of course, to see what I've been doing, follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and uh, you will stay up to date. Okay, let's get into today's sexy beast of a show. Now, this show does air the day after Valentine's Day, so you may be thinking, I've had my love, I'm good with it, but I'm going to tell you au contraire. Love should and shall remain in the air with me for good. And that's especially going to happen because of author Christine Delosier, who has written the book, Diet for Great Sex. So that's just not Valentine's Day specific. That's every day of your life. So I'm going to chat with her in a sec. And then later in the show, we're going to get a little boozy. Um, zooming in from Ireland, I have Heather Clancy and Paul Carice. Uh, they are with Grace O'Malley Whiskey, and uh, they have a proclamation whiskey. They make a uh, gin. They have a lot to talk about because maybe you didn't know about these kinds of things coming out of Ireland, but we're going to get into it later in the show. But first, Christine, thank you for joining me today. Uh, let's talk about sex. How did you become a expert in sexual health? Well, it just started one day when I had somebody come into my office and ask me if I could help them to have stronger erections. Uh, I'm an acupuncturist and herbalist in private practice. I specialize in sexual health. Um, but, you know, most of us acupuncturists, we treat a lot of things like headaches, neck pain, back pain, things like that. We are trained in sexual health, uh, but it wasn't something that I had spent a lot of time treating. Um, so I said, sure. And, um, you know, he was the first of several patients who had such good results. And, and it really, it really helped to bring joy and um, fulfillment to his intimate relationship with his wife. He was so happy about it. Um, and then there were more to come. I just decided, you know, this is something that's really meaningful to, to do, to spend, uh, you know, to invest in. And um, so I decided to specialize in sexual health. Um, before that, I had trained to be a research scientist, you know, so long, long ago when I was uh, an undergrad, I was in a program that trained uh, people to uh, conduct scientific research. And so I brought that into the game. You know, I've always been a foodie. I love food. I love the aesthetic of food. I like making and cooking and photographing food. So um, to me, it was a no brainer. You know, I knew there's, there's definitely, you know, the, the way to address the root which is always what Chinese medicine is looking for of sexual health is to look at our diet. And um, so I basically wanted to kind of test that theory scientifically and see what the research had to say about that and write kind of a fun 
book that's for maybe the lay person, you know, the non-scientific uh, type person uh, that would be fun and kind of easy to understand, you know, my typical patient. Well, but what I think is interesting is we hear a lot about physical health. We hear a lot about mental health. Um, I don't think we hear a lot about our sexual health. That's not a terminology that a lot of people think of. So when you say that for the layperson, what does sexual health really mean? How does one have good sexual health? Well, you know, we kind of have to stop viewing it in just the psychological, you know, lens, you know, great sex is more than the right experience, the right situation and mood and candles or whatever we're into. It's when our nerves are conducting strong, rapid impulses to and from the genitals. I mean, that makes for more pleasure. It makes for easier orgasm. It makes for stronger erections. It makes for better lubrication, all those things. It's when there's abundant blood flow to the clitoris, the vagina, and the penis. And it's when our sex hormones are balanced. So all of those things kind of come together to create great sex. And the food that we eat has... Uh, a very direct impact on all three of those. And there's a lot of research to support that too. The science is definitely there. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think what's interesting is there's a lot of mythical uh, foods, you know, that are considered aphrodisiacs, whether it's, you know, wine or chocolates or oysters or things of that nature. But I think you're talking about it in a very different way, right? So when you put this oh, absolutely. together, what were you... What are some of the things that you came to in your research as you were putting this book together that your eating well equals good sex? Well, let's take just as a case example, one of my favorite foods for sex, which is, uh, you know, which are leafy greens, spinach, romaine, kale, things like that. You know, our, our primate cousins eat loads of it. You know, if we don't, if you don't know what to eat, if you're not sure which diet to follow, you know, which expert to believe, because, you know, as humans, we've kind of lost our, our intuition. Our ability. Our, yeah, instinct. Yeah. our ability. Our ability is out. I mean, listen, I'm in food, just like you are in a bit of a different way, but I can't tell you how many people say to me, how do you balance it? How are you able to go out and eat the way you do and, and try all these things and, you know, eat these massive meals and I'm an entertainer and a cook and all that, but I have a really good relationship with food. I have an understanding of it and I know how to balance it, but that took a lot of work. And I, I, I think for a lot of people out there, I can talk about my husband. He can't figure it out. He's like, can I eat this? I'm like, yeah, you can, but don't eat too much. I mean, the, 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 something got lost in the mail. Yeah, right. And you know, that's the thing we're, we're supposed to enjoy food, you know, food produces dopamine when we eat it because we're supposed to get joy out of it. You know, um, certainly like the, you know, impossible diets take the joy out of food. And that really is a shame. Um, mm. but something like, you know, leafy greens, they balance this entire kind of trifecta of great sex. You know, they're loaded with antioxidants, which have been shown in research to actually speed up those impulses of pleasure to and from the genitals and strengthen nerve conduction. When they took, for example, uh, patients with type two diabetes who were experiencing sexual health issues related to slowed nerve conduction, they supplemented them with antioxidants for a period of time. And then they measured the strength of those nerve signals. And they also measured um, sexual health and satisfaction, orgasm, 
ease of orgasm, uh, pleasure, all of those measures, lubrication, that sort of thing. And that improved just with antioxidant supplementation. Um, then you have the whole benefit on your cardiovascular system. So leafy greens are loaded with so many things that luxuriate our blood vessels. They help them to be more elastic and deliver more blood flow. And um, they also actually even help balance sex hormones. So um, the nutrients in spinach, for example, in several studies have shown have been shown to reduce cortisol levels. Now, cortisol is something, it's a stress hormone, and it interferes with testosterone. Testosterone isn't just important for male sexual health. It's also, also critical for arousal and um, overall sexual health in females. So mm-hmm. it's a it's a triple hitter, really, uh, you know, leafy greens. And of course, there are loads of other foods that really pack a punch with sexual health, but that's just kind of an example of what food can bring to sex. Well, I, I mean, it's really interesting because I don't think people think of leafy greens as a part of it, but when you explain it and sort of the nutritional value and how that adds to it, I, I read here about uh, fasting and intermittent fasting has become, you know, sort of a cause celeb lately for uh, people in the diet world. Uh, one of the things I have heard in talking about it is that the reason why so many people sort of poo-poo it is because there's no real way to make money off of it, uh, you know, because you're not eating. <laughs> so, right, yeah, <laughs> nothing to sell. But so you're <laughs> saying that uh, there are benefits to fasting when it comes to your sex life. What is that? Well, there's lots of research to support that. I mean, first of all, uh, fasting helps uh, normalize insulin. Um, you know, I don't know if uh, most of your listeners are familiar with things like ghrelin and leptin, but those are the hormones that our bodies produce to tell us that we're full and that we're hungry. And some of us with all of the, for example, sugary, you know, uh, calorie laden foods, we can become leptin resistant, which means that our bodies don't it's not as easy for our bodies to tell us when we're full. Mm. So we keep eating, for example, but um, those hormones, you know, like hormones like um, insulin and leptin, then in turn affect sex hormones. And fasting, for example, has been shown to help bring those back into normal levels, which then will benefit sex hormones. For example, just, you know, one example of the benefit of that. Fasting has been shown to reduce um, inflammation. It's been shown to actually reduce cell age. So you can kind of measure how old we are by our mitochondrial health. And that's, uh, it's one of the little organelles within our cells. Mm -hmm. And fasting has been shown to um, improve that kind of age, you know, so how old we appear to be on a cellular level, if that makes sense. Um, So Uh, And there's so many more benefits to fasting uh, as well. There's lots of research to support that. And, um, you know, there there are decades of research on that. And of course, you know, countless cultures throughout the world practice fasting. It's not just a spiritual benefit. It is a physical benefit as well. Well, so as you were putting together sort of recipes for this book, what were you calling from? What were you like, this has to be in here. And I want people to sort of, you have this scientific side, but there, you know, there's a richness side to this. So how did you, how did you come up with the recipes and, and how did you pull them into the book? You know, I pulled a few of my own, you know, brilliant creations into there. You know, some of the things that people ask me to make when I go to a, you know, get together or something, because I'm always trying to make things a little healthier and trying to bring, you know, make something that's 
that is healthy, tastes delicious. But you know who's actually way better at this than I am and brilliant is my daughter. She has uh, her own blog and she's truly a genius when it comes to, you know, she can take any dietary guidelines and come up with something brilliant that tastes amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, she, she developed most of the recipes for me. My daughter is uh, 26 and she has like a food blog. She's got an Instagram page, um, just to shout out it's wholesome hedonista on Instagram. Um, so she, it, they're aesthetically beautiful and mm-hmm. her niche is that everything that she makes is gluten-free, grain-free and dairy-free. So mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of, you know, but. and are those things that you think are really important, uh, when we're eating for our sexual health? Well, I would say dairy, uh, for sure, not for everybody, but for some people, you know, you, they, it can be inflammatory in the body and inflammation is definitely not something we want to have for sexual health. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I, we could go on. I have so many more questions, but this is a short interview. I think you're joining me on my other show, Foodie and the Beast, uh, in a couple of weeks. So I want to thank you so much for joining me. Tell us please where we can find you and where we can find your daughter again on Instagram, please. Sure. Sure. So I'm at diet for great sex on all platforms. I have a webpage diet for great at, uh, Christine, or excuse me, dietforgreatsex.com. I'm on Instagram at dietforgreatsex. TikTok, I have some recipe videos. My daughter is Wholesome Hedonista on Instagram, and she also has a blog as well. Excellent. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you. Great. Well, so uh, I hope your Valentine's uh, Day hangover is still going on and that you can utilize some of the suggestions that Christine uh, recommended. I think working on your sexual health, just like you have to work on your physical health and your mental health is really important. And sex is a natural and happy part of life. So uh, the better you are to yourself, the better you can be to your partner or partners, no judgment. Okay, so uh, sometimes people think this may help with your sex life. uh, And that is uh, imbibing a little bit of alcohol. Uh, Don't overdo because then it totally will not help with your sex life. But I am excited today to talk with Heather Clancy and Paul Carice. Paul Carice is a master blender. And I am excited to figure out what that means. They are both with Grace O'Malley Whiskey. They are calling in from Ireland, so I'm delighted to have them this morning. Thank you both for joining me. Thank you very much for having us. Great. So Thank you very much. I'm going to start with you, Heather, because I chatted with you first. So, Paul, we'll get to you in just a sec. Um, Heather, tell me a little bit about your background and Grace O'Malley Spirits. Yeah, of course. So just on me personally, I'm the brand manager for Grace O'Malley and our other brand, Proclamation. I've actually been with the company for two years. Prior to that, I led a completely different life and worked for the Irish food and board, food and drink industry in um, Germany. I lived there for four years promoting Irish um, produce, food and drink. So lots of beef, lots of dairy. And then I decided the alcohol sector was a little bit more fun. And I personally met the guys from Grace O'Malley in February 2020, just before the world went a bit crazy. So hopped on board there and was lucky to be at the very start, really, of the of the company's journey. The company was actually officially founded in 2017, but the first product actually only went on the market in June 2019. So it's been a busy couple of years for us. Despite COVID, we're now available in over 20 countries worldwide. So with COVID coming in, you know, we had to originally 
like I'm sure most of your listeners, building the name of the brand in the on-trade via those very important industry workers. But with COVID, we had to pivot to a very much a retail focus initially. Mm-hmm. And then with that, um, with Zoom and all of the different technology, we were able to speak to people all over the world and, and bring our brands um, international, which is amazing. Well, I'd love to know a little bit about the name Grace and Valley because it has a very rich history and I think it's very interesting. And then we'll bring in Paul and we'll talk about, you know, why more whiskey, why get into more whiskey making, what's missing out there, et cetera. So tell me a little bit about Grace O'Malley. Yeah, so Grace O'Malley was this incredible woman far ahead of her time. So she was born in 1530 on the west coast of Ireland and we call her the Irish Pirate Queen. She was this matriarch, seafarer, clan leader and traveled all around the world. Her father would have been a clan leader ahead of her. Um, His nickname was Black Oak O'Malley. And she traveled all around the world trading spices and um, being the leader of her of her group, of her clan. And even she was very modern woman in the sense that she got married, she got divorced. When one of her husbands passed away, all of his men came and followed her to her castle on Clare Island um, in County Mayo, which is off the west coast of Ireland. Mm-hmm. So she was really quite incredible. What One of her things that she's most famous for is her son was captured by Queen Elizabeth's um, forces in England, another powerful woman. And Grace O'Malley actually kind of chartered her ship and sailed over to England to negotiate the release of her son with Queen Elizabeth. And because Grace O'Malley spoke Gaelic, Queen Elizabeth obviously spoke English, they actually communicated together through Latin and to negotiate that release. So we actually recreated that journey with Joe Malloy, who's a direct descendant of Grace O'Malley in 2019. And Joe Malloy is a solo sailor, a female sailor and she's endeavoring to be the first Irish woman to sail solo around the world wow. so chartered a boat with the, our Grace O'Malley logo on the sails and sailed up the Thames in London recreating Grace O'Malley's journey nearly 500 years later that must have been amazing what a a terrific story did a lot of people come out for it I mean is this a story that a lot of people know you know what it's in Ireland when you're growing up in school in Ireland it's one of those things that it's it's in your textbooks it's you know legends and myths but the difference being that Grace O'Malley was a real woman who really existed so a lot of Irish people would have the knowledge of Grace O'Malley our founder Stephen Cope grew up in Mayo where Grace O'Malley was from and he was raised on the stories of this incredible woman so within Ireland it's really well known outside of Ireland not as much but there's a lot of there's kind of a zeitgeist around Grace O'Malley in at the moment. So keep an eye out for exciting kind of film and TV and plays coming, coming to the world soon. Right place, right time. Absolutely. All right. So Paul, thank you for joining us. You are a master blender. You have a wine background. So let's get a little bit of your, of your boozy history. How'd you get into it? Oh, well, uh, I, I was born into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I, I'm from Bordeaux, uh, as you can hear, I'm French. And uh, so basically, I really uh, born uh, in the middle of a vineyard. So all my life, I've been surrounded by vineyards and by um, this kind of product. And I've been uh, not trained, but uh, so my, fam- my whole family is not working in the booze industry. Uh, I'm the only one. But uh, we we had uh, uh, we've been like very um, 
my mother was like a bit of a mother of a chef cook, you know. She was saying, yes, taste this and taste that and take a bit of this. And, oh, you don't like that, but you have to taste it. So it's a kind of education path that we went through with my brothers and sisters. And uh, like I had the, the possibility to become, a, you know, scientist and go to, to make a master degree in math and, and all these kind of things. But I've decided to come back to... Uh, a product that was uh, in relation with nature. So I've decided to go and to be a winemaker first. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm a qualified winemaker. I have, I'm holding a master's degree in winemaking science. And I've started to travel the world making wine. So I went in Australia, I went in Chile, in Argentina, Lebanon, and all those countries. And uh, after a while, I've decided to change a little bit of career and to go to work for the cooperage industry mm -hmm. and uh, uh, so I worked a few years in the R&D department of a French famous cooperage and uh, my job was to implement the R&D uh, for the spirits sure. and this is uh, where there was, there was a place where we uh, had a few experiments and uh, we were doing a, a lot of tasting and um, this now this brand, I think, is quite famous in the U.S. It's called Plantation Rum, and uh, they are owned by a French company in Cognac. Mm -hmm. And uh, after a while uh, doing those tasting, the, the boss uh, gave me the opportunity to work in his team. So at first I said, oh, no, but, uh, you know, yes, of course, I'm tasting uh, spirit all day, but uh, maybe... Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, good enough for being uh, uh, the responsible for blending all your good products. And he says, no, don't worry, I'm going to help you. So this is how my, my career started in the spirit business now 12 years ago already. Wow. So but you were really able to take the knowledge from working in the wine industry at, because, you know, you're manipulating a fruit to get the kind of flavor that you want. And now you're doing something similar, but in a very different way. It's not necessarily, it's not always fruit. It's always different things. So what was it about, how did you wind up here at Grace O'Malley? And what were you, what were you looking to do? Because I think there is a, I think people, there's a lot of whiskey on the market. Do you know what I mean? And I also think when people hear Irish whiskey, they think it's something different so can you explain your products because i've got i've got them i'm not drinking them because it's only 10 in the morning here but i've got uh both the uh blended and the proclamation so tell me about both of them and how they differ so um i'm going to start talking about proclamation proclamation yeah this one mm -hmm. uh was made uh purposely for u.s market okay so really the brief around this product was to make something that is tasty, but straightforward, easy drinking that you can share with uh, people that not necessarily like whiskey and th that they are going to uh, taste it and, you know, have a discussion, have a talk, you know, and enjoying the, the moment. So this was the, the brief of the product. And what is different in, in this is we selected the best 
grain whiskey made in Ireland. And then we age them in different ways. And we use a very small portion of triple distilled malt. So this is the specificity of Ireland. Ireland is most of the whiskey in Ireland are triple distilled. This is a tradition. So we blend those together and uh, they're there is a real American influence in this product because it is aged in virgin American oak mm. for a share of this product. And a small batch is also aged in sherry wine. So mm. sherry wine, and this is also the relationship. In a, in a sherry wine, in a, is, it, is it in a sherry wine cask. Uh, in the cask, right? So a cask that yeah. once host, held sherry now is held at holding the whiskey. Exactly, gotcha. exactly. And then you're mixing that, and then you're like a mad scientist mixing it all in? <laughs> yes, exactly. Okay. Yes, I'm the mad scientist behind this. <laughs> Have I just changed your title? Instead of master exactly. blender, you can be mad scientist. <laughs> oh, this is what I am. So I'm the, white, maybe not mad, but the white scientist behind it. Because, you know, like when I arrive in Ireland, and this is a, the link with the Grey Somali blend, that you, the other product, uh, the brief was very easy. It was just make the best blend possible. What you think is the best blend, just make it. Mm -hmm. And normally, you know, when you have a brief, you're okay, but uh, make it uh, not too expensive or uh, you, you have to be concerned with the price bracket that people are going to, to sell it. Mm -hmm. And here, there was no connection with price they told me, no, just make the best you can do. So this is 100 samples on the table. So please now taste them and make the best plan possible. So this was the brief for Grace Mali. And this is where I'm saying we're a little bit wide because here we take the total opposite um, direction of the tradition. So because I have a question I, because maybe, and this is really layperson, and I, I've talked to distillers from all around the world. And I guess one of the things I've never heard before was about the price. I always kind of thought the price was arbitrary. Like somebody was like, this is going to be $60 or this is going to be X. I mean, I never thought about like what, it, how the price came up. So when you're putting like proclamation together and it sounds like it is a labor of love because it's got a lot of components in order to get into the bottle. Um, how how does without knowing that price is no object does that totally change how you can do things oh uh, yes it, it's it's a great comfort to be able to blend what you really want to be in the bottle mm -hmm. you know it's just a it, it's changing the whole product because uh you can pick and this is the case in this blend we have 12 years old whiskey we have older whiskey we have younger whiskey it was just uh the the project was to really make the best irish blend possible so uh maybe i mean for us it was at the time and i think i hope that uh, for the consumer as well it's going to be a great experience with this uh with this irish blends well so now let's talk about this other one that you have here the uh irish pirate queen right? Grace yep. O'Malley. So what is it about this whiskey? And I want to remind people, Irish whiskey is with an E, just in case you forget. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, what is special with this one is 
this is what I told you. They told me just make the best of what you can do and mm -hmm. don't stick to the tradition. And here, this is exactly the case because in this whiskey, compared to Proclamation and other Irish whiskey where you have triple distilled malt, mm -hmm. here it's double, double distilled malt, which is quite unusual okay. in Ireland. So, and this is where it's a bit wilder compared to most of the Irish whiskey. It's mm -hmm. much more intense, much more flavorful. So the, this blend is quite intense. So it's a, a real experience, even for connoisseurs, I think. And after that, we played not only with the, num with the different type of distillation, but we played also uh, on the range of aging. So as I told you, 12 years old and more and three years old whiskey, four years old, five years old whiskey, all this together. And we also play on the, the aging of the different batches. So mm -hmm. some are in one-tooth bourbon barrel. Some uh, batches are uh, matured in virgin American oak, in virgin French oak, and also in rum cask. And this is a little specificity of this rum, mm -hmm. uh, of this uh, whiskey, sorry, it's that is aged in uh, rum cask from Barbados. Oh. And just give a little bit of a funk to the product. Well, so with the aging, that's a, so for example, do you only age whiskey in the cask? So now that I have it in a bottle, do I cellar it? Do I put this in the cellar and hold 10 years? Or you're like, no, 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 you drink this now. No, 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 you have, you can drink it now. Right. This is, this is what is great is the, the, the aging work has been done previously. Okay. So you can, you can enjoy it now. But is there, I, I get that I can enjoy it now, but is there any value to me throwing it in my cellar? No, no. Not what? Sorry, jump in there. I was saying from a collector's perspective, yes, right. because hopefully in a couple of years time, you know, the first, first, you know, round of Grace O'Malley bottles will become super valuable and, and that'll be worthwhile. I think that's, there's a big trend at the moment where people are becoming collectors of spirits and you know from both the design standpoint with people who love bottles and have them on their bar card at home which became really popular over covid mm -hmm. and then also people gathering up different products and and putting them away for example we've done special limited releases of um whiskey in rum cask finishes and dark char finishes and beautiful leather labels and you know they were originally going out there at a retail price of around $70. And now we're seeing them being sold on different sites for, for $400. So there's right. definitely at the moment whiskey because it's being seen as an asset as well that kind of appreciates as it gets older. Mm -hmm. Well, so, we have had people, I've had guests on who are collectors mm -hmm. and they have, you know, driven all around or flown all around the world, driven all around the country, going down to Kentucky and, you know, catching up batches of uh, distilled spirits from, you know, 1945 or, you know, they have their collectors. It's really fascinating and it's expensive like they're selling it for so much um so I totally hear what's happening there okay so let's get into gin Irish gin is Irish gin a thing is that something I need to know about Paul I think that you definitely know need to know about this gin 
Okay, tell me. Yeah, this gin um, is a very traditional gin, but in with modern equipment. So uh, we use a very limited numbers of botanicals, only 14s. And uh, we, the main botanicals, of course, is juniper. So I would say that I would call it a continental gin or mm -hmm. an old world gin compared to a new world version, which is uh, less juniper and more other botanicals and uh, plenty of different botanicals. Mm -hmm. And we also used here the, the most interesting, uh, I would say, botanicals is heather. Hmm. We are using Irish heather in this plant to. Is Irish heather like like a lavender? Like what is Irish heather? What what sort of what does it give to the gin? So heather, just a little bit of history. Heather was used for by the Celtics for uh, infusing their uh, body wine. So not only in Ireland, in England and in French Brittany, it was the main, the most used uh, uh, taste and answer for the body wine at, at this period of time. So it has been used for more than 2000 years, Heather, an infusion of Heather in, in beer for getting the flavor. So here we are really going back to this Celtic tradition of using heather in the in this gin. So it's a Celtic gin for sure. And yes, it, it gives not only a, a, you have a subtle flavor of heather on the nose, but on the palate you can really feel the heather. It gives some extra sweetness to the product and it is a game changer in terms of um, flavor and taste. Well, so I am sort of curious and um, Heather, Heather, not Irish Heather. Well, yeah. I mean, we're Irish, but not the flower. <laughs> Heather, what is it about gin being added to your portfolio? Was that always something that Grace O'Malley wanted to do? They didn't just want to be a, a, a whiskey company? Yeah, it's a great question, Nikki. I suppose in within Europe, gin has been booming for, for a number of years. And just from our side as a company, it made a lot of sense when we were going in and speaking with, um, with retailers, but also on trade and, and with bar owners and everything to have both solutions for people, you know, that we were offering both solutions. And then in terms of just storytelling perspective with Grace O'Malley being from the West of Ireland, I don't know how familiar your listeners are with the concept of heather it's this amazing purple plant that grows all over the hills of the west coast of ireland it also grows a lot in scotland as well and it's something that grace o'malley would have sailed by as she was coming in on her boat do you know that way so it just seemed like too good of an opportunity and um, to miss but really the concept behind creating the gin as well was to have a kind of complete offering when you were going into places um from with from within one brand and Paul had just such good expertise in that area as well that we we thought it would be a pity not to use it but the Irish gin category in comparison to Irish whiskey is um is a lot smaller there isn't you know the Irish whiskey category is quite well defined whereas Irish gin like we said is something everyone needs to get to know about well but what's really interesting is that you refer to it as Irish right yeah. so I mean there's all sorts of whiskeys you know, engines uh, around uh, the country. Um, we don't call it a Kentucky 
whiskey or a New York gin or a DC, you know, liqueur. Do you know what I mean? Because there's distilleries everywhere now, but it is interesting that you do specify that it's from Ireland. And is there, I guess, as we wrap up here, is there something specific? Like I always thought Irish whiskey met more than it was just from Ireland. And Paul, you mentioned earlier about the triple distilling. Is that specific to just Ireland? So triple distillation is specific to Irish whiskey. Okay. And for for the, sorry to jump back on the gin, no. but I think that um, quite interestingly, uh, Grey Somali family were trading a lot of spices, a lot of botanicals from uh, Mediterranean Sea and from Spain and Portugal. So it, it's a kind of a tribute to the Grey Somali family, this gin, mm -hmm. you know, because there is a real relation between this gin and the botanicals that are in this gin. Some are from Ireland and the rest is coming from the Mediterranean Sea. So there is some orange peel, some lemon peel that are obviously not coming from Ireland. Mm -hmm. But you know, we have also um, uh, bilberry, prawn, rocks on fire, white sign that are coming from Ireland. So yes, it is uh, genuine Irish gin. Okay, terrific. Well, I just have to thank you both for joining me today. Um, you're also joining me on Foodie and the Beast. You're gonna be doing the drink segment, a virtual one, but that time we'll be drinking in studio. We'll get to really discuss the uh, taste profiles with you on air. So I wanna thank you both for joining me today. Um, Heather, tell us where we can find more about uh, the Grace O'Malley uh, profiles and your products and where people can either find you on Instagram or online. Amazing. Yeah. Thanks so much, Nikki. So we have our website is www.graceamaliwhiskey.com mm -hmm. and our Instagram and social handle in general is at Grace O'Malley Spirits. So feel free to come over and join and learn loads more about the brand and what we're getting up to um, all over the world. Me personally, I'm just on my Instagram as Heather underscore Clancy um, okay. underscore. So great. And Paul, can we follow you on Instagram? Not yet. You're like, really. no, forget it. I'm no. off. <laughs> well, I want to thank you both. Uh, this was really educational. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you very much. So that was a great show. I mean, we got our hormones on in a variety of way. So you should really consider your sexual health and figure out what you need to do to be at your optimal peak at any age. And nutrition and how you eat is a number one in guaranteeing that. So definitely check out uh, author Christine Delosier's book, Diet for Great Sex, uh, and follow her on Instagram. And my goodness, could it have been more interesting talking with Heather Clancy and Paul Carice today about Grace O'Malley's whiskeys and spirits? I really did not know that about Irish gin, and I feel really um, educated today. So I hope you do too. Thank you so much for joining me, Nikki Nellis on Industry Night. A couple reminders out there. You do need to be vaccinated if you're eating out. Do wear your mask when asked. We're, the light is at the end of the tunnel, people. We are close. So just... Uh, be kind out there. Uh, again, follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And we will see you next week.
It's Industry Night with Nikki Nellis. Thanks for listening to Real Fun DC.